Let's thank the Lord for that song one more time. The Refiner's Fire. Holy Spirit, where would our world be without the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago? Where would, where would the world be without the day of Pentecost? Uh, we are a part of a tremendous heritage and tradition. Uh, the uh, church started in a prayer meeting 2,000 years ago. You know, uh, Elon Musk just uh, launched a spaceship, right? Some, some ship into, into, into outer space. And uh, the launch went successful. Well, 2,000 years ago, the church was launched in fire and in power. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, thank God, it's still going strong. And the church is indestructible. Even if uh, the Supreme Court says you can't have more than 25% in your auditorium, which is unprecedented, it's not going to stop the church. right? The church is uh, still going to thrive. It's still going to fulfill its mission. And even if uh, we see the crazy times in which we're living in, you know, in our prayer service at four, we prayed for George Floyd's family. And uh, the tragedy of uh, Mr. Floyd losing his life the way that he, he did. Uh, we are a nation of laws, and his uh, unjust, unlawful tactics that were employed by that police officer, uh, that police officer has now been arrested and is being tried third-degree murder. And because we're a nation of laws, that police officer will be judged by a jury of his peers. That's how we handle things in a law-abiding country, when somebody breaks the law. And we need to be reminded of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s words at a time like this, when he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And may we have more love and less hate, more light and less darkness in our country. And the second thing I want to say is about these violent protests going on throughout our nation right now. Uh, these protests, the, these, these are not lawful protests. These are violent protests. And what drives these riots is anarchy, and it's a spirit of lawlessness. And we need to pray against a spirit of lawlessness in our land. The Bible talks about when the Antichrist comes, he, he is called the lawless one, and he will, he will come into power by a spirit of lawlessness. And so we need to also keep our law enforcement in our prayers as they are wanting to keep the peace and protect innocent life and protect civilians. And what's the solution? I'll tell you what, the Democrats don't have the solution. The Republicans don't have the solution. The church of Jesus Christ has the solution, and it's the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what we are celebrating this weekend all across the globe. Christians gathering by the tens of millions, celebrating the feast or the day of Pentecost. And in our study in the book of Acts, we happen to be in the 19th chapter. We begin the 19th chapter on Pentecost weekend. So I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 19, beginning verse 1. So out of love and respect for the Holy Scriptures, please stand to your feet. And here we go. It happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul made his way overland as far as Ephesus, where he found a number of disciples when he asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They answered, no, we were never even told there was such a thing as a Holy Spirit. He asked, then how were you baptized? They replied, with John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. But he insisted that the people should believe in the one who was to come after him, namely Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And the moment Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down on them, and they began to speak with tongues and to prophesy. There were about 12 of these men in all. He began by going to the synagogue where he spoke out fearlessly and argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. He did this for three months. Let's pray. God, thank you for your mercy and grace in our time of need, in our nation. We pray, Father, for another Pentecost, another outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We pray for revival to break out and not riots to break out in the cities across our nation. We pray and humbly ask that you would heal our land in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. My friends, this is a remarkable story. You know, the book of Acts has a funny way of turning conventional, safe, middle-of-the-road church doctrine on its head, such as, well, once you're saved, you get all there is, and there is no secondary work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. Oh, really? The book of Acts would say otherwise. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19, each of these chapters, there is a personal Pentecost that occurs in the gathering of believers. This is no different here in Acts chapter 19. These disciples experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you four interesting facts surrounding the verses that we just read, and now we're going to dive in and study. Four interesting facts. Number one, these events occurred, get this, 20 years, approximately 20 years after the first Pentecost. From Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 19, we are talking about 20 years of time that had elapsed. Paul, in his, his, he took this westward route, presumably on foot through modern-day Turkey, which was where Ephesus was at the time of the Apostle Paul. And this journey... This, it's his third missionary journey, his final missionary journey, uh, was approximately, you know, about a thousand-mile journey that the Apostle Paul took when he finally arrives here in, uh, in Ephesus. Fact number two, there were 12 disciples mentioned here in this story. Uh, they were a, a disciples of Apollos, and if you were here with us, we talked about Apollos and how he, he was taken aside by Priscilla and Aquila, and they were, he was taught more thoroughly the ways of God. I believe, in particular, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So these guys were disciples. Now, what does that mean? To be a disciple, according to Luke, Dr. Luke, who was the one that actually wrote the book of Acts, inspired of the Holy Spirit, by simply referring to them as disciples, he give, gives us every indication these, these men were born again. These men were Christians. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. The third interesting fact is um, that they were called disciples by Luke, which tells us we, there is no guessing work here that, that these, these individuals were already believers in Christ. The only baptism they had experienced, though, was the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance. But then Paul refers to what John the Baptist said in the Gospels when he said, I baptize with water, but the one coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost 
and with fire. So there was a second baptism, which would be, which is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they had not yet experienced, and they had not even, they had not even heard about whether there was such a person as the Holy Spirit. And in fact, number four, what was the dead giveaway that these believers were missing something? There, there, was, there was something that indicated to Paul, maybe it was a prophetic word from the Lord, or, you know, maybe God spoke supernaturally to Paul's heart, but there was something that indicated to Paul, these men are without the Holy Spirit, because he asks them on the surface what seems like a ridiculous question. He meets these guys for the first time, and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So, in that question, he's assuming something. What is Paul assuming? He's assuming that these men were believers. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So, there was a moment in time Paul trusted that they had surrendered their life to Christ, and then subsequent to that, he said, after you were born again, did you receive the Holy Spirit? I mean, that's kind of a strange greeting. You meet somebody for the first time and say, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you became a Christian? I'd be like, what? Where did that come from? That's kind of a peculiar greeting. You know, some countries, some cultures have some unique, peculiar ways to greet you. I looked up what some of them are. Um, in Tibet, the way they greet one another in Tibet, they stick their tongue out at one another. That's interesting. In uh, Qatar, Yemen, the United Arab Emirates, they bump noses. That's how they kind of greet one another. France, Italy, Spain, they, they give a, an air kiss, right? Um, a lot of these would not be COVID-19 uh, safe. In New Zealand, they rub no noses and sometimes they rub foreheads. How would you like to meet somebody for the first time and they, they, they want to rub their forehead against you? It's like, hey, that's, yeah, that's really entering into my space zone, right? Um, in China, Africa, Middle East, Europe, U.S., shaking hands. That, that's kind of the common way until most recently, shaking hands. Um, in Zimbabwe, Mozambique, they clap their hands as a greeting. Malaysia, they put their hand on their, on their own heart. That's kind of cool, right? That's to greet somebody that way. In, in, in parts of Asia, of course, they, they bow. In Greenland, they sniff faces. I don't know what they're smelling for, but uh, that would be kind of weird, right? That and the tongue and the, and the rubbing of the forehead. I'd be like, well, that's too close. And then uh, there's some place in the world where they just shout, howdy. Uh, what might that be? Texas. Okay, I think we have the best, right? I think that's, that's howdy, right? There you go. Dead giveaway, you are from Texas. But Paul, his greeting was, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So something, there was some evidence that they were, they were missing, that they were lacking the Holy Spirit. Uh, what might that be? I don't know. I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe all these, there were 12 men, 12 disciples. Maybe they all had mullet haircuts. And, you know, any guy that has a mullet haircut is like, you need the Holy Ghost, probably, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, because, you know, this is like, this is, this is the Orient, uh, this is the Holy Land. Beards were popular back then. Maybe these guys had no facial hair, and they would have said, looks like you don't have the Holy Ghost. 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe when he ran into these 12 guys, they were all wearing skinny jeans and V-neck t-shirts. And he would have said, you guys are worship leaders, aren't you? <laughs> but have you received the Holy Spirit since you <laughs> believe? So I wrote down some things that maybe gave Paul an indication that they were without the Holy Spirit. Joylessness. These aren't in your notes, so you're going to have to take extra notes. Joylessness. Uh, Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit brings joy. Maybe they were joyless and like, you look at somebody and you're like, you think, and you're saved? Yeah, you need the Holy Ghost, right? That could have been a dead giveaway, joylessness. Or how about dullness? Because the Holy Spirit is fire. Jesus, you know, as I quoted, John said, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So maybe there was this lack of enthusiasm and he said, that could be the dead giveaway. You guys need the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, maybe there was powerlessness in their life. Because Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you would receive power or dunamis after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So maybe there was just joylessness and dullness and powerlessness. And, or the final thought was maybe they were simply timid. They lacked boldness. Uh, in Acts 4.31, it says, And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. So one of the signs that you have the Holy Spirit is there's boldness, there's power, there's, there's enthusiasm, uh, there's joy, all, all of which becomes evidence that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit since you believed. That's the interesting thing, since you believe. So they had become believers, but then subsequent to becoming a believer, see at salvation, I don't want to get too theological on you, I've already preached like 20 messages on this over the last 18 years, but uh, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you. And there is a difference. So, the question Paul asked was, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? I'm going to ask you that question. Those of you that are watching, either live Saturday night or 8.30 uh, Sunday morning, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's the question that the greatest Christian that's ever lived, the greatest apostle of the Lord Jesus who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, of all the questions he could have asked them, of all the questions he could have asked them, he asked them this question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe. Now, these men, they, these men are the, get this, they're what I call the access point between receptivity and resistance. That sounds pretty heady, doesn't it? I, yeah. Anyway, they're the access point, right? Uh, the access point, right? Which kind of makes a cross. The access point between either resisting or receiving. Resistance or receptivity? You see, as I was meditating and studying this section of Scripture, I thought, these guys could have got offended. They could have said, Holy Spirit, what? We, you know, we have Jesus. We don't need the Holy Spirit. Or what are you talking about? Who are you? Why would you even ask us that question? There wasn't any resistance. Far too many Christians throughout the last 2,000 years, there has been a resistance to the Holy Spirit, but it's nothing new. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, here's what uh, Stephen says as he's testifying. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Wow, for, for thousands of years, unfortunately, 
God's people all the way. See, the Holy Spirit's nothing new. He's the third member of the Holy Trinity, right? Uh, when God said, let us make man in our image, let us, plural, not singular, let us, God is an us God. One God manifests in three distinct persons and personalities, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Father and the Son, the second member of the Holy Trinity, and the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Holy Trinity, they've always existed from eternity past. So in, in Genesis 1:26, when God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. From that moment, there has been this resistance against God's Spirit. And Stephen rebuked the religious leaders of his day, saying, you're just like your, your forefathers who resisted the Holy Spirit. We do not want to resist the Holy Spirit, church. Uh, and then look at Isaiah 63, verse 10. Let's read this out loud together. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. This is a scary verse because, yes, God's people can rebel, and they can vex the Holy Spirit. Wow, what does it mean to not just rebel against the Holy Spirit, but to vex the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. The Bible even talks about sinning against the Holy Spirit, called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible goes as far as saying that's the only sin that cannot be forgiven Jesus said, you could speak against me all you want. They said he was a wine-bibber and a gluttonous eater. They said, you have a demon. But once they begin to assign his miracles to the devil, they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And he said, that's a line. That's a theological line you don't ever want to cross. We don't want to rebel or resist or vex or grieve or quench the blessed gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I, I, I applaud these men. I applaud these 12 disciples mentioned here in Acts 19 because they didn't resist. There was a receptivity. They were receptive of God's gift. If you think about it, how we need to always be in, in a receptive mode of all that God has for us. Not a resisting, resisting mode, but a receptive mode. Why is that important? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Think about it. Everything that we have has been a gift from God to us. We receive it. We receive the sun He created. <laughs> we receive the air that we live by. We receive His blessings and, and, and the food and the nourishment that He gives us from the earth and what the earth produces. We, all your gifts and talents, and many of you, well, all of you have them. Many of you are really gifted and talented. Everything you have, you can't boast. You can't act like, it's all because of me. No, it's not. No, the Lord gives, and you get prideful, the Lord can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But may he not take it away. May he just add even more to your life. Amen? But when we have a, a humility about us, we realize, you know what? If you can sing real good, that's a gift that God gave you. Better give him glory. If you could do whatever you can do real good at, right? Whatever you're good at, that's a gift. 
You have received it. Can we just take a moment and thank God for all that we have received from his bountiful, merciful hand in our lives? So Paul didn't ask this question. He didn't say, have you understood the Holy Spirit since you believed? He didn't say that. Too many times we're trying to understand the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God is unfathomable. I mean, really. It'll take all of eternity, and we still won't fully comprehend how awesome God is. Can I get a witness? How about out there, Facebook land, online? Can I, give me a thumbs up. Give me a smiley face, something like that. Right now, do it. I'm watching. See? I'm watching. Go ahead, comment. I'll read it. <laughs> oh, that is a good question. I should have covered that. All right. Um, have you received, not have you understood, have you received Holy Spirit since you believe? So, how do we receive since, how do you receive since you believe? How, how do we receive this? Just, just three things, three thoughts. Number one, ask. I know that's like really simple, right? Ask. Prayer is about asking. And in Luke eleven thirteen, here's what Jesus said. As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children but your heavenly Father is even more ready to give. Uh, it's, everything's about God giving and us receiving, not resisting, but receiving the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. So the Holy Spirit is a gift, but we have to ask for Him. And these guys, they had not even heard of the Holy Spirit. They're like, Holy Spirit, like, where have you guys been going to church for the last 20 years? I mean, that's the question. I, I mean, you know, some people could go to church for 20 years. There's a Holy Spirit? Yes. What's this praying in tongues stuff? It's one of the gifts. It seems weird to me. No, what's weird is you not even hearing about the Holy Spirit. That's what's weird to me, right? I mean, these guys were like out of touch. The, the resurrection had happened, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the, the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, and here are these 12 disciples in Ephesus. We've not even heard there is such a thing as a Holy Spirit. So Paul wanted to kind of locate, you know, like, what's your denomination? They said, we're Baptists. I, I mean, John the Baptist. That, that little love there, okay? We're John the Baptist. And they said, well, that, that John was awesome. He's been dead for a long time, right? Um, there's another baptism. It's the Holy Spirit. And Paul wanted to make sure that they were baptized correctly in the name of Jesus. So they were baptized in water, is what's implicated here. And then he laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. How do we know they received the Holy Spirit? They prophesied and spoke in tongues. Oh, that tongue stuff. I'm telling you, Carl, that scares me. You know, that, listen, there's a, there's a lot of things in life you accept that you don't fully comprehend. You receive. Recep, there is such a thing as receptivity without fully comprehending, comprehend, comprehending something. How about some of the biggest unsolved mysteries of creation itself in the world of physics? I mean, real head scratchers, right? For scientists, much less for the common layperson, to try to comprehend and understand. Subjects such as dark matter, right? Dark energy. You know, uh, in physics, there are two overarching theories to explain just about everything, uh, every physical phenomenon that in God's creation, right? There's Einstein's theory of, of gravity, general relativity. 
and quantum mechanics. And the former is good at explaining the motion of everything from golf balls to galaxies to, quant, you know, to all of that. But then quantum mechanics is equally impressive in its own domain because it, it dwells in the realm of atoms and subatomic particles and how can one communicate with the other on the other side of a planet and, and all this crazy stuff that happens in the world of physics, right? When you go down to the microbe of creation itself, you're like, wow, there are like worlds within worlds within worlds within worlds, right, Dr. Cox? He, he used to go to Puerto Rico and study bugs and insects and plants, right? He would spend weeks, weeks out there, and he was like in his own world, like, man, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? I mean, there's like worlds within worlds within worlds, and there's much of God's creation we may never fully grasp, comprehend, but we can receive it, and we can enjoy it, and we can thank the Lord God Almighty. He created all things. Can I get a witness? So number one, you have to ask for the Holy Spirit. And number two, you have to accept. Everybody say accept. Have you received since you believe? That's the question Paul asked. Have you received? So we ask and then we accept. We, we receive. Like everything God has for us, we receive by faith. John 14, 17, Jesus said that the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Because it doesn't see him or know him, yet you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. <laughs> this is post-Pentecost, uh, this is pre-Pentecost, excuse me. So the Holy Spirit was with them through the presence of Jesus, physically being there with them. But he said, I, he later on he tells them, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. For the gift of the Holy Spirit, in, in John 14, John 16, he pounds it, pounds it, he pounds it. Wait, wait, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't do anything until you have received the promise of the Father. But the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. But let me ask you this. Can the world receive Jesus? Can the world receive salvation? That's not a trick question. Can the world accept Jesus as, this, as their Lord and Savior? Yes. But prior to accepting Jesus, can they just skip the Jesus part and ask for the Holy Spirit? No. <laughs> this verse makes it very clear they cannot. So we have to, number one, we have to ask, and number two, we have to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life. Receptivity. These, these men received, they they asked for, they received the Holy Spirit. Paul laid his hands on them, and they began to prophesy and speak in a heavenly language. Glossolalia phenomenon is what it's called in the theological world. And every instance in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, three of the four times, the evidence, three, not just once, not just twice, but count them three times, Acts 2, and Acts 10, Acts 19, all of them. In Acts 10, you know, Peter was in the house of Cornelius, and he was preaching, and preaching about Jesus, salvation, and, and on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they, in that, while he was preaching, they all accepted Christ as their Savior. 
And the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they all began to speak in other tongues and magnify God. It says that in Acts 10, verses 44, 45, and 46. And Peter, as a Jew, a Messianic Jew now, was shocked and bewildered by the very fact that these Gentiles had received the exact same Holy Spirit that they had received on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. Because the 120 that were in the upper room, there was not one Gentile among them. Acts 10 is the first time the early church witnessed Gentiles getting saved. Now, there were Gentiles who became Jews who then got saved. But for a Gentile to not become a Jew, but to go from being a heathen to being a Christian, that was unheard of until Acts 10. Acts 10. So the Holy Spirit, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit, and then we have to accept the Holy Spirit. And how important is the Holy Spirit in our our everyday lives, not just a one-time experience. I remember many years ago, my wife and I, we, we went uh, on a vacation to Cancun, and uh, they were signing people up to uh, go scuba diving. And uh, I thought, that would be fun. I've never been scuba diving. I thought you needed to be certified. Not in Mexico. <laughs> you could do anything <laughs> you want in Mexico. So I'm like, yeah. So where's, what's my instruction? I'm like, in the swimming pool. So for 30 minutes, they put scuba gear and he went in the swimming pool and said, make sure you can breathe, you know, <sighs> breathe, you know, don't panic, you know, because then you'll use up your air and then you could die or whatever. So uh, it was a little scary, you know, they took us out into the ocean. And I think we only went down like 20, 30 feet, whatever. Uh, and then you're not supposed to fly the next day, but who, I didn't know. Anyway, we live by faith, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes God blesses ignorance. And so I uh, went scuba diving and it was a beautiful, incredible experience, you know, just being underwater, you're in a world different than your normal world, right? You're, you're with the fish now and some big fish that could eat you. So I'm always looking for Jaws when I was down there, you know, because you never know. I've, I've seen too many movies like that. <laughs> so that was always in the back of my mind. So I made sure there's at least two people around me. Let them get them first. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so, but you know, the only way you could survive in, in the under, underwater in a, in a world different than ours is with a breathing apparatus. You need oxygen. And that's the only way you could survive. And I'm, t I'm telling you, church, that's why people are not surviving, or they're not even thriving, and they're barely surviving, is because they're living in a, in a world that requires a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are living in a world that is foreign and we need the air of heaven. We need the breath of heaven. We need the wind of heaven. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need, we need, desperately need the Holy Spirit to come and to manifest His power and His presence in our life. It's interesting that Jesus, after the resurrection in John chapter 20, this is after His resurrection, He sees His disciples and He breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. How incredible was that moment in the lives of the believers when the Son of God, the Savior of the world, breathed upon them and said, now receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, I guess the, the question is, at that moment when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, I guess the question is, did they receive the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. 
he came in them. And yet Jesus still told them and required them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. You and I need that power in our lives. You need that power in your life today, tonight. And I want to ask you the same question that the Apostle Paul asked these early disciples. Have you received? You have to ask, you have to accept, and then finally you have to attend. You have to attend, attend to the things of God in your life. You have to make it a priority. As it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 51 and verse 4, attend unto me, O my people. Give ear unto me, O my, o my nation. For a law shall go forth from me, and I will establish my justice for a light of the peoples. America's facing what it's, what it's facing because we're attending to a lot of things, but not to our spiritual needs. We're trying to exist in a world and we're all running out of air. The tank is empty. The source of life is heaven and the breath of heaven and the spirit of heaven and the spirit of God. Ask, accept, and tend to, attend, attend, attend church, <laughs> attend, tend, tend to the prayer, tend to your devotions, tend to your spiritual growth, tend to your spiritual needs. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. May there be an access point that moves us away from resistance to receptivity. And that access point is the cross of Jesus Christ. First, you give your life to Christ, and then you ask for the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then the journey begins. The exploring, exploring the doctrine and the teachings and the person and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's been 40 years for me. 40 years ago, got saved, gave my life to Jesus, was born again, and then weeks went by, and then my sister began to disciple me and told me about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She actually prayed for me, showed me in Scripture, prayed for me, laid hands on me. I prayed a prayer asking, accepting, attending to God's promise of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and, and at that moment, it may not always happen this way, but it happened for me, and it happens for many this way. I began to pray in a heavenly language. It didn't come from here out here. It came from, Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And 40 years has come and gone, and I'm still enjoying my journey of learning more about Christ, about God's kingdom, and, and in particular, about the work and the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you that are here or those of you that are watching. You've not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. And then I want to pray for you to receive and accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, if you're here tonight or you're watching and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're all going to pray this prayer with you. And if you would like to commit your life to Christ or if you need to rededicate your life to Him, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Say it with your own mouth, mean it from your own heart. For the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus, 
I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life. From this day forward, for the rest of eternity, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's thank the Lord together. Can we do that, church family?